Welcome to another edition of From the Front Lines, where we discuss both the day-to-day and one-of-a-kind issues facing real estate managers. In this episode, IRM CEO, EVP, Linda Caradine Poinsett, PhD, MJ, MBA, talks to Susie Craig, VP of Workplace Mental Health with Mental Health America, about what organizations, leaders, and managers can do to support good mental health in the workplace. Now here's Linda. Susie, welcome. I'm so excited to have you join us today. Thank you, Linda. It's wonderful to meet you and, and it's wonderful to, to have this conversation. I'm excited. Well, you know, mental health is a, a topic I'm very interested in. So I think this is going to be a, a very interesting and timely conversation. So before we get started, first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and Mental Health America? Sure. So I am the VP of Workplace Mental Health for Mental Health America. Mental Health America is a national nonprofit. We've, we've been around a minute. We've been around since 1909. We have over 200 affiliates in 41 states. So that's, you know, that's our network on the ground. We are focused on mental well-being. So for us, that means elevating equitable health care, lived experience, a focus on prevention and intervention as top priorities. And we want to see policymakers, researchers, business and community leaders, and everyone as individuals understand what that means to make those areas a priority in their lives and in their work. Wonderful. Well, you know, our society has been going through some traumatic experiences over the past few years, and it certainly has had a profound impact on the workplace. So let's do a little bit of a reality check. What is the state of workplace mental health at this moment in our society? So you're starting with a small question, I say. You're going to start <laughs> light. <laughs> True. Yeah, there's a lot, right? You know, we've been through a lot. There are a lot of factors. Let's think about how the workplace has, for many of us, has come into our homes. And and for, for deskless workers and those out in the field, their environments have completely changed, right? Yeah. So we have social unrest at the forefront, which also, thank goodness that that's visible. And there are a lot of challenges with having a multitude of, of, of if you think about organizations. They are a system of humans. I don't care what your industry is, what your focus is. We are humans coming into an environment and we're coming from different backgrounds, different identities, different ways of being. We have different needs. We have different perspectives. And then the ask is throw them into one environment. Let's all row in the same boat and get on the same page. And yet, you know, I think it's becoming clear with that and also with the, obviously COVID has completely rear end over tea kettle, just changed, you know, how how we engage and think about our health and safety, right? So there are a lot, a lot of factors. And I also, you know, when I talk to business leaders, I try to start with the conversation around a paradigm shift. I think the paradigm shift around the workplace is real. And yet many workplaces are structured as they have been for decades and decades. And that structure is just not working to support the humans within that, within the system. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I want to talk about impact on unhealthy workplace and places within an organization. 
um, on its goals and even just trying to achieve some of it, uh, the organization's financial goals. Can you share and talk a little bit about the impact having an unhealthy work environment can have on the organization? I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you, you're you going there with a the conversation. This is, this is the conversation I love to have with business leaders. In the research that we do, we look a lot uh, and comparing healthy workplaces versus unhealthy workplaces, right? And later we can kind of get into what, what does that mean? But for now, let's, let's talk about the experiences employees are having in, in healthy workplaces versus unhealthy workplaces. We found that less than 10% of employees in healthy workplaces are actively spending time looking for a new job, a new new employment opportunity versus wow. almost 40% in unhealthy workplaces. So think about that. As a business leader, our friends at SHRM, so Society for Human Resource Management, they talk about a lot and, and you know, business leaders, I think, are, are constantly in tune with this, but it's important to know that replacement costs for employees can be as high as 50 to 60 percent, like you know this as a business yeah. leader, um, or anywhere from 90 to 200 percent. So if you have folks that are coming to work and their, their stress and their burnout and their experience at that workplace are having them think, you know what, maybe I should go somewhere else. Now, how much money are you spending looking to replace that person, right? So just thinking it from it, Obviously, mental health in the workplace is the thing that everyone should be doing because we're humans. And also, let's put the lens on what this means for your business. Wow. Well, I have to say, you mentioned earlier about employees coming in. They've got all these stressors that's happening externally, and then we kind of throw them all into an organizational environment and expect them to perform optimally. So let's talk a little bit about that. Just even coming into the work environment, there are a number of stressors there. We're trying to do more with less. We're uh, trying to navigate in office and remote work and, and, and also dealing with the rapid change, generally speaking, just to mention a few. What support mechanisms would you recommend then that organizations put in place to help their team members with these kinds of challenges? So the good news around support and resources is that, you know, from Mental Health America's perspective, and we're not the only ones, we've been researching, understanding, building best practices. So those frameworks exist, which is fantastic. Where companies need to start is from the ground up by listening to their employees. Those surveys, those conversations, really understand in your unique workplace environment, what are the needs, right? Do you need more flexible work schedules? Are, do you folks not know that you have certain benefits and resources? Like understand where those gaps are and then make a plan for addressing them. Also, I would say to leaders, if you're gonna start having those conversations, be prepared to follow up and deliver, right? Don't just put a survey out there and let it fall flat and not actually act on it. You know, you could come back around and say, oh, this is really great. We can't at this point expand our benefits or we can't do this, but we are going to do this, right? Do something. You know, one of the biggest factors in employee engagement and support is trust. So if you're going to go down the road of having this conversation, make sure you are prepared to make some investment and do something to tell employees that, yes, we do care about you. We want you to stay here and we want to do everything we can to support you. And what does that mean for you? Because look, every workplace is different and unique and different workplaces need different things. 
Thank you for that advice for those of us that are in leadership roles, because you're you're right. It, it means different things to different people. And I like the idea of doing surveys, because sometimes even when you do the surveys with, with your, your team members or with your staff, they're not sure. And so just creating an environment to have the conversation, I think, is going to be really important in order for us as uh, leaders within the organization to figure out how do we even just start? So thank you for that. Now I have a question. Let's say, for example, you know, we're your individual supervisors. What can individual managers do to be proactive about supporting good mental health when it comes to working with their direct reports? So what we have found at Mental Health America in our research, and we are not the only ones, the US Surgeon General, American Psychological Association, like others have found that a lot of where support falls down for teams is the managers. Mm. And tell me if this has been your experience, this has been mine, and working with a multitude of companies in different industries, when folks are really good at their job, they get promoted and they get elevated. Oh, you're not <laughs> elevated yeah. into that manager. You know what's coming, elevated yeah. to that manager position. And then there's either no training, there, there are no conversations, you know, there's, depending on how the organization is structured, maybe HR is not focused on having those conversations about, hey, your role is different now. This is what it's like to lead a team. Tell us what you need, you know, what skills do you need? What kind of training do you need? You know, what does that look like for you? And how do you support the people on your teams? So the managers of the bridge, a lot of times where this falls down is the management team because they can float up to leadership about, hey, here are the actual experiences that employees are having. This is how I need to support my teams. And then leadership obviously can flow back down the support and 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 what those folks need. So as always, a lot of this falls on leadership to make sure that people have what they need. You know, it's just it's kind of the job, right? We could do so much more if there's just enough money in the pot to do it. Exactly. But no, you exactly. make an excellent point. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how to support property managers. So property managers deal with people's homes and workplaces, and emotions can oftentimes run high in, in those settings. How do you maintain your own mental health when you're dealing with the public and with customers in what can be these emotionally charged situations? That's such a great question. So oddly enough, in a past life, I was married to a property manager. So I know this world a little bit, um, at least from that perspective. Thanks. Yeah. So it, it's, it, and from my experience, you know, you're deep into a customer service role, right? Very much. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that mindset of, you know, having to show up in a way so that the customer is, is taken care of can be exhausting, right? And especially, and I've heard this and you would know better than I, you can tell me, but I've heard that since COVID and, and since the world went upside down, people's stress and anger and short responses, like all of those things have been elevated. So I'm sure it takes a lot more for people in customer service roles to really dig down deep and, you know, be the adult and say, <laughs> say, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I understand you're upset. I understand you're angry, but let's talk about the solution. Right. So, I mean, I would say a couple of things. One is since Mental Health America is such a huge proponent of prevention, 
what is your self-care plan? What are you doing to make sure that you can recognize when you're stressing your anxiety is shooting out of orbit? We have uh, I just want to brag about my team a little bit. We have this built this amazing system of screenings, anonymous screenings, and I'll I'll share that that website with you so that you can share it out to your your group. But it's it's essentially screening screening.mhanational.org. You can go on there and screen for anxiety, depression. You can you can screen for all sorts of things so that you can really build those tools around what is the difference between like, am I having a bad day or is this going off the rails? Right. Yeah. Some people don't know like when there's a tipping point where you need help. So and, you know, we all say talk to someone, reach out to someone. That's not so e easy for everyone. Sometimes. Right. You're not. Yeah, get, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you have to kind of go in first and just check in with yourself and like, you know, what is my baseline? Has it shifted? You know, what do I need? And that support system is key. So understanding who you can go to for support to make sure that, you know, you're getting what you need. What we don't want to see is that letting things carry on and, and lag and get worse and worse, just like any physical health condition. Right. Like if you're if you are, are if your back hurts you know, and, and maybe not all of us, my dad would never go to the, go to the doctor, but, but if you're in a lot of pain, usually you're going to go get it taken care of. You know, we have yeah. to think of our mental health in the same way. I love the idea that you mentioned about what is your self-care plan? I mean, we make plans for everything. We make plans for vacation. We make, you know, plans for what we need to accomplish at, at work, or if we're making plans for other things, but we don't think about making a self-care plan, which I really like the concept of that because it forces you to sit down and really think about what are my needs? We know that the world externally has shifted, but what does that mean for us internally and, and how we are looking at ourselves and making sure that we're, we're okay? Sometimes we can wear that so much that it, we aren't even conscious that we're not really as okay as we might think. And we just keep pushing through until, the, until you get to a point where you crash and burn. And right. You know, and you realize, oh, this, you know, the impetus of this started months ago, if not years ago. So I, I really appreciate that idea. No, so and, and I think I think we've kind of I know I did. I kind of got away from what my baseline is over COVID because you have like I, you know, I yeah. was working for a different mental health organization during COVID, but I was working 12, 15, 14 hours a day and pushing through. So that became my new normal. And yeah. I lost touch with what my baseline was. And I wonder if that's happened with a lot of other folks. Yes. Okay. I want to get to, I have one more question before we conclude our conversation. This has been, like I mentioned at the, uh, from the outset, this is something I'm very interested in. So the, one other thing that, one last question I wanted to ask you is at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about the current state of workplace mental health. Now let's talk a little bit about where we're headed. What's the future of workplace mental health? Great question. I would say that for us to design and understand where this is going, let's talk to the younger generations and not dismiss what their concerns are and what they need. They're coming into the workplaces, and, and I forget what the, the statistics are, but I think this is the time when we have the most generations working together than like any other era, which yeah. makes really interesting dynamics. And there are different expectations. I don't know about you, but when I was starting out in my 20s and I was in a totally different industry in book publishing, but 
I never, it wouldn't have even cross my mind to raise my hand and say I was struggling at work. Wouldn't even cross, right? I agree. It yes, I agree. Wouldn't have even <laughs> crossed my mind. And now, and I think this is also true because the work has come into our homes for a lot of people too. So the, the lines are fuzzy. But back to the younger generations, I would say, have really big and open conversations around what does a safe environment look like, right? Now, we didn't talk about psychological safety, but in workplaces, we often think of safety when it comes to OSHA and slips and falls and things like that, especially at properties, right? That is like top of mind, right? Psychological safety is the incorporation of understanding how do we set the stage for a safe environment for folks to feel like they can raise their hand and say they're struggling or access those resources, right? Or to show up as who they fully are and not feel like there's going to be retribution around it, right? So that's a lot for business leaders to wrap their heads around and like, you know, it's a lot. And also that's where things are going. So that again, back to the paradigm shift, I think, you know, business leaders need to understand that that is you know, that is real. I had a CEO tell me once, well, it's not my job to make everyone happy. (laughs) (laughs) I took a breath and pause and I said, that's true. I agree with you. That may not be your job, but guess what? It is your job to lead this organization in a way that your people feel like they can show up as fully of themselves and get their best work done as healthy well beings right yeah because you are a community of people and you are leading that community of people so this is an organizational priority and it's also the thing to do to support your people so so it's i guess back to the paradigm shift is if you're a leader thinking things are going to go back to the way things were i hate that expression <laughs> i know i know it's not happening and it's well, and it's this is going to be in in the best thing for your business if you understand where the organizational investments line up with your growth. Yeah. Well, Susie, this has been a fabulous conversation, and I could just talk on and on and on. I want to be respectful of your your time, so thank you so much for for joining us the, today. That I'm I'm curious how we can continue the conversation. So let's let's not lose touch on this topic because. There's a lot more to be said. So thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure, Linda. Thank you for having the conversation. And and, uh, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for inviting Mental Health America in and, and happy to talk more whenever we're able. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Visit irem.org for more knowledge to take on real estate management's most dynamic challenges. That's www.irem.org dot o-r-g